You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences through weekly topics, expert interviews, and guided mindfulness meditations. Mindfulness is presence, awareness, It's paying attention to what's happening within us and around us. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity. Perhaps most importantly in today's uncertain world, mindfulness strengthens our ability to be more compassionate toward ourselves as well as others. Before we get started, I want to let you know that for the next two months, A Mindful Moment is conducting a listener survey to help us get to know you, your interests, and what you think of the show. As our way of saying thank you, you can enter to win a $500 Amazon gift card at the end of the survey. Your feedback will help us improve A Mindful Moment and find new sponsors who actually interest you. Please support the podcast by taking our short questionnaire at surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave. There's even space at the end of the survey to tell me anything you want. Again, that's surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave or click on the link in our episode notes. Thank you so much. Michael Amster is a physician and faculty member at the Turo School of Medicine. With 25 years experience as a pain management specialist, he is currently the founding director of the pain management department at Santa Cruz Community Health. He's been a student of meditation for over 30 years, as well as a certified yoga instructor and meditation teacher. He splits his time between clinical work, research on awe, teaching mindfulness, and leading awe-inspiring retreats around the world. I'm really excited to talk about the new book today, The Power of Awe. Welcome, Michael. Oh, thank you so much, Teresa. It's really an honor to get to meet you, and I'm thrilled to meet your community of listeners and to get to share some moments of awe with you this morning. So thank you for welcoming me here, and I'm just thrilled to be on your podcast. It's a great book, by the way, and I have to thank you because I really needed it right now. Um, Mm. I've been drowning and overwhelmed for the past few weeks. And, you know, I use my mindfulness practices, but you can only maintain an unhealthy balance for so long. And so it's sort of the perfect jolt to get me uh, back on track. So thank you for writing the book. Before we get into all the fascinating details, can you talk a little bit about what led you to write the book? Yeah, that's a great question. So I've been a a student of mindfulness for over 30 years and uh, started my practice when I was in high school and college. I 
always wanted to be a doctor since I was a young boy and I suffered from test taking anxiety. And as I kept taking those next steps of exams up to the MCAT, the med school admission test, I had worsening anxiety and panic attacks. And a friend turned me on to studying mindfulness. And I went to my first 10 day Vipassana, which is a Buddhist form of meditation retreat that um, was, I guess, my gateway into mindfulness. And about 10 years ago, I was trained as a mindfulness teacher at Spirit Rock Meditation Center, which is a um, kind of one of the nation's leading mindfulness retreat centers in Northern California. And so I had a conversation with my friend and colleague and mentor, Jake Eagle. He's a psychotherapist in Hawaii, and he leads a spiritual community called liveconscious.com. And I was attending one of his workshops. And he and I had a conversation about how much challenge we notice our patients and, and our, our participants have with establishing a sustained mindfulness practice. It's really hard for people in our current busy day and age to find 20 minutes a day to sit and practice with all the distractions we have. And so we we're exploring this idea of, well, what would be the ideal microdosing mindfulness experience? And kind of came up with the idea, well, let's create microdoses of mindfulness throughout the day. And so I flew to Hawaii and as you know, and I'm sure those who've been to Hawaii know, like Hawaii is just filled with a lot of extraordinary awe. Everywhere you look, it's so beautiful, the mountains and the ocean and everything. And it was actually when we were having a conversation, I was making breakfast for Jake and Hannah one morning, uh, pancakes, and I poured the batter and I was fully present and brought my full attention to that moment of watching these pancakes cook from the liquid batter to a solid pancake. And I think like most people, when you pour your pancake batter, you pour it, then you leave and you go off and you're making sausage or orange juice or coffee. You're just multitasking or you're making your kids their lunch for school. Well, I had this, what I call an epiphany, you know, and, and really it was an, a moment of an orgasmic moment where uh, I had those chills and tingles when you have a really extraordinary moment of awe, but it was just the simple act of making pancakes. And so from that, we dissected what had happened and we realized that this ideal micro dose of mindfulness practice that we can take anywhere, any place is this idea of experiencing a moment of awe in the ordinary moments of our lives, like to really open up our perception of reality to find the beauty, the wonder, the grandeur, and all these simple moments that fill our daily life. And so from that, we designed what we call the awe method. We use the word awe, A-W-E, to create a three-step process to um, stimulate people's experiencing a profound or even sometimes a subtle moment of awe in the ordinary. And being a medical doctor and interested in research, Jake and I both did pilot studies with this method and did some initial studies that showed de decreases in depression, anxiety, decreases in chronic pain in a 21-day program where we taught this to our patients and clients. Well, then I tracked down Dacker Keltner, who's the founder of the Greater Good Science Center at UC Berkeley, and he's really the granddaddy of all our research. And when he saw our initial data, he was like, wow, this is the future of mindfulness. You guys figure this out. You know, he's been studying awe for 20 years, but it's always been extraordinary awe, not the moments of ordinary awe that is really where the richness and the depth can come from on a daily sustainable basis. So the pandemic came right after we had met. And then we decided together to do some very robust studies where we 
um, recruited about 300 primary care patients and 200 doctors and nurses on the front lines. And we did this 21 day program where we taught the all method virtually on Zoom and followed pre and post metrics as well as daily metrics and saw just profound, amazing results. And so from that study and the results that we're publishing this year in academic papers came this this vision of writing the book and wanting to share this work out in the world because the benefits were so profound for people and wanting to get this this method of of a way to really change one's level of consciousness in truly just 10 to 15 seconds at at a time. Amazing. Yeah, that's what what? microdosing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're not talking about psychedelics here, but it's funny. Actually, originally our title of the book was maybe going to be microdosing mindfulness. Um, That was our, our first title. And then, you know, there a lot of people have a connotation of microdosing with mushrooms or psychedelics, LSD. So, um, although I think in many ways, when you have a moment of awe, it can be almost like that transformative experience that psychedelics give us. So it's like a quick hit in some ways, because the benefit to me of that is there's many reasons, but mainly for myself right now, because I'm kind of in a, I am in a place where it's very difficult to set aside 20 minutes a day. Um, but it's also the, the number one sort of complaint or pushback I get from clients as I'm coaching leaders and encouraging them to practice mindfulness and to meditate, it's always, I don't have enough time. So the second I saw just even a brief synopsis of this book, I was like, I have to see what this is. (laughs) So, So let's go back a little bit to talk about what the emotion of awe is and why it's unique. Yeah. So the emotion of awe is a very special emotion. Um, and it's, we think of it as probably the most powerful of all positive emotions. It is what's considered a pro-social emotion. So when we experience a moment of awe, it cultivates within us a lot of other positive emotions, like an experience of being grateful, an experience of being generous. Um, They've done studies. um, Most of these studies have been done at UC Berkeley, but through the Greater Good Science Center by my colleagues. And they studied that people that had a moment of awe were more generous to strangers. It makes us more open-minded. We're, we're more willing to look at other people's views. And so we need awe more than ever, considering like the divergent views with politically and all the, the divisions that are going on. Awe helps us open our eyes up to seeing other people's understandings of the world as well as our own and to just be more tolerant and accepting. And then there's a whole bunch of health benefits as well, which we can talk about. But in terms of like how we define it as an emotion, when you think about that moment of all you might have, let's say if you go to the Grand Canyon or you uh, watch a beautiful sunset, you know, awe can be found everywhere. And there's extraordinary awe everywhere, actually. So what awe does is it gives us a sense of vastness, right? When you think of those moments or maybe the witness at birth of your child, you feel a sense of vastness. You feel connection to the the grandeur of all life to God or universal consciousness to all humanity, whatever you want to call it. So that's one aspect of how we define awe as emotion is this idea of perceptual vastness, the sense of vastness within ourselves. And maybe we see sort of the world outside of us as vast. And secondly, is this idea of cognitive accommodation, which means that when you have a moment of awe, it really almost shifts your perception of reality. It's like, wow, like, how's this even possible? Like, we, we're living our lives normally in a very automatic, autopilot way. And then when we have a moment of awe, it wakes us up. And it changes our thinking processes. And we are accommodating a, a vast, bigger reality in the moment of awe. 
And what's really beautiful about what we're teaching is how to have awe moments in the ordinary. So right now we're having this conversation and I'm looking at the backdrop on your Zoom screen. And I mean, there's so many beautiful things in your in your image that inspire awe. Um, and yeah. And so, it, I mean, we can have awe wherever you are. Um, we we teach this that people can have awe at, in line at the grocery store, or you can have a moment of awe at a red light even, or at the TSA checkpoint at the airport. Awe, awe can be had anytime, anyplace, anywhere. I actually thought of the ocean when I was reading the book um, because I was thinking, you know, when are my awe moments? I took the, the assessment that you had at the beginning of the book. And by the way, I really love that you um, included some of those, a couple of those studies assessments so that readers can take it and then gauge where they are, you know, after they've read the book and start understanding and practicing the process. That was the other problem for me is that because I'm so crunched for time, you know, I used to go to the ocean on a regular basis, just even, even for an hour, but just to sit there and watch the water because it always gave me a sense of awe. And it reminded me that I'm just this little thing in this vast, you know, universe, which kind of just eliminates stress. And so I love the idea that we can now apply this or learn to apply this to anything. We don't have to drive 20 miles and, and, and spend the time if you don't have it. So I think that's wonderful. So I wanted to ask you, what's really happening in the brain and body when we're using the awe method? I think maybe I'll talk a little bit about the awe method so people will have an idea what it is. And then I'll, I can explain a little bit how it works. I think that might be the best order of it to share. Um, so the awe method is this really this 10 to 15 second practice. And we break the word the awe into an acronym and the A stands for attention. And so what we're asking people to do is to bring their full undivided attention to something they value, appreciate, or find amazing. And, and so I'm mindful when people listen to podcasts, most people are driving in the car. So I'm not going to give like the the full profound awe experience right now, but it's just a taste so people can get an idea. Um, and if you want a more of depth, we have a lot of free resources on our website at thepowerofawe.com where we have free downloadable meditations, a free ebook, um, more resources with extended practices. Our book, The Power of Awe, also has a lot uh, more depth and um, 30 extended practices in it as well. And so, and we also offer an online course that we're putting together. So that is going to help people that don't like books and they just want to sit and watch and, and learn this technique. So first step is to bring your attention and to really intentionally do that. So we're, we're, we're all able to shut down our mind, even if we're ADD, just for five to 10 seconds on one thing that we value and appreciate and find amazing. And then the W stands for wait. So we're just pausing. We're gifting ourselves a moment of waiting. And if you think about, let's say when you've been walked walked with a friend before and they wait for you and they'll hold the door open for you, like how good that feels like to be caretaked. Well, we're doing that, that for ourselves. We're waiting for ourselves. We're gifting ourselves an opportunity to just be like with that one thing that we are valuing, appreciating, or finding amazing. And then the E stands for a deep exhale. So you basically are doing this practice through a cycle of a breath. And that deep exhale, when you do that, and you can think of the sound of awe, right? That is like a long exhale. <sighs> we're stimulating our vagus nerve. And so this is the one of the things that happen in this practice is that we are activating our parasympathetic nervous system. The vagus nerve is the master computer of that rest and digest part of our nervous system that does all the healing and repair and regulates our heart 
rate and blood pressure in a very positive way. And then the E also stands for expansion. So we're allowing ourselves to have that full moment expand in us to give us that sense of vastness. Um, and for some people, like they may imagine like, like there's an energy field, like a light within them. And then when they are taking that long exhale out, the energy expands and sort of fills you up. Um, and then that's often when you get those chills or the tingles because it's a release of energy in the body. When you have an all moment, you, you get those kinesthetic responses because energy is expanding in your body and and you you the the goosebumps happen or the little hair cells around your body rate, rate rise up and that expansion of energy and of consciousness um so what's happening as i just shared when we do this practice and we practice a moment of awe kind of four main physiological things um one is that we're stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system the vagus nerve that i talked about and there's a little bit of sympathetic activation, which is kind of nice because it brings you to a state of alertness, um, but yet you're still calm. It kind of energizes you a bit when you have a moment of awe, right? I mean, I think people can relate to that, but yet you still feel peaceful and calm at the same time. Second thing is this part of the brain that is that monkey mind ruminating self-absorbed part. It's called the default mode network. It's the circuitry that is those thousands of thoughts we have all day that we're not even aware of. It just kind of goes on an automatic tape. Well, that part of the brain slows down. Um, and for some people it will stop momentarily when they have a moment of awe, which gives us that sense of resetting our nervous system so we can be more present and more attentive. And then also oxytocin, which is a hormone. It's one of the trust bonding hormones of the body is released when we have a moment of awe, which is Again, uh, um, you know, a powerful way of changing the physiology in our body for a state of healing and um, and rest and, and regeneration. And then finally, what really excites me quite a lot is that they did a study where they measured blood levels of inflammatory factors of, in people's blood following with different positive emotions. And the emotion of awe was the only positive emotion to actually lower these inflammatory cytokines. And these are the intermediary factors that recruit our immune system and create inflammation throughout the body. And as we're learning more and more, basically all chronic disease is related to inflammation. Heart disease is an inflammatory condition. Cancer is, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, even depression is an inflammatory condition in the brain. And so when we have a moment of awe, we are dropping down those inflammatory factors and creating a state of safety and healing in our physiology. And it's so important because when we're on that automatic rushed, stressed out state, which most of us are in our daily lives now on that treadmill, we're creating all these inflammatory factors. And what the awe practice does is it gives us a chance to reset, change our level of consciousness so that we can then live our daily life with much more presence peace, um, a sense of timelessness, uh, and, um, and, and that, that sense of vastness and wonder that is really our gift. Like we we're this is, we're wired this way to feel this way as humans, and we've lost touch with that. And so this practice brings us back to what is sacred in our lives. It's funny. I was going to ask you about the healing part. I used to never get sick, but I hadn't been sick in at least 20 years, not even a cold. I just don't get sick until the pandemic. And then it wasn't, mm me. It was polymyalgia rheumatica, which is completely 
inflammation, right? And so I recognize, right. and I don't mean this in a blame way, but I just recognized right away when it started, it was like, I did this because I've been sitting in this chair 12 hours a day with stress levels through the roof, trying to save the business, you know, from the shutdowns and everything. So when I found that chapter, I, I wish I'd, I wish the book had been around back then because that was back in 2020. But I used mindfulness practices to get off the corticosteroids like two years early. And I really, you know, really addressed the stress. Like that was, you know, that's the heart of it. I'm quite clear about what stress does to us, but yeah, it was not easy, right? It's, it took a lot of effort. And you talk in the book, a lot of effort. <laughs> it was hard to do. And so one of the things that I found appealing about the on method is, you're really saying that mindfulness and meditation and other contemplative practices, it's not that they don't work, but that we have to really put effort in to get them to work. And in, and with awe, it sounds like it's a lot easier and quicker than going through everything we have to go through, you know, because the mind argues with you and your body kind of argues with you. And, and so I wondered if you could talk a little bit specifically about the importance of, of our emotions and feeling safe related to chronic pain and inflammation? What does the safety have to do with it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so first, I just want to acknowledge what you shared about this idea of accessing awe is an easy practice. And we've learned a lot from our research. And one of the things we've learned is that you can't force a moment of awe to happen. So like when you learn this practice and you read our book, um, where people often stuck themselves the most is when they're like, okay, I'm going to have a moment of awe now. I'm going to make it happen. Well, you know, you don't go to the edge of the Grand Canyon or like witness the birth of your child and be like, I want to have awe now. I want to have awe now. You know, it doesn't work that way. You just, you, you're just so present and you open yourself up and then the awe, the moment of awe rises. And so what's so beautiful about this practice compared to more traditional mindfulness practices that do take a lot of effort concentration, they take time, is that this can be done anytime, any place, you know, anywhere. And it doesn't take effort. In fact, effort is contra to the experience of all. Like you have to let go and allow those moments of awe to really bubble up. Um it's like the idea of like for me often is I teach people when they're starting to get built this practice up, is we teach people this just start to open their senses up for moments of awe, like a sensorial awe. Look it off from your eyes, from hearing, from feelings, from taste, from smells. So go on a short little walk down your street and just be open, an open field for awe to come in and noticing the colors or the sensation of the breeze on your face or the smells of flowers or trees. It's just, it, it's endless. Awe is everywhere. So, um, so talking about the question around safety, it's just really important. So we have a chapter really dedicated to this in our book. And the basic idea that ties into these inflammatory factors, these cytokines that I was talking about. So I'll share a little bit about cytokines. And if you if you think about what I'm going to say, really, it's an all moment. It's a, in itself, like understanding like how amazing this method, all the system is in our body. So when the, the earth is 4 billion years old, and when single cellular organisms came about through evolution and that process you know, a billion, two billion years ago, they started to communicate with each other, these different single cell organisms through cytokines. And cytokines are these collections of protein molecules. And there's basically two main types of them. There's either ones that 
we secrete that are safe that make it that that say we're in a safe space and then there's those that say threat you know we're under threat and if you think about it, like that's how early these early organisms knew how to take care of themselves and then to continue to evolve and to survive is like am i safe or am i not safe well if you look at our development as humans as a species i mean we continue to have this very ancient system that's hundreds of millions i mean billion years old that we have within all of our cellular systems of our body, uh, these cytokines that go around saying I'm safe or unsafe. And so when we're constantly under a, a sense of threat, um, whether it's a real threat or it's a perceived threat, um, we are letting out these inflammatory threat cytokines throughout our physiology, which affect our thoughts and our mood and our organ system health and I mean, it completely impacts us completely as an organism. And so we talk about the importance of where awe fits into this is because we know awe lowers these inflammatory cytokines and creates that sense of safety, even if it's just momentarily, we know it's having a very positive impact. We did in our research, like I talked about, we had 500 people in our studies and we saw a 35% reduction in depression in this 21 day program that we taught people to learn this practice and this technique. And we only asked them to practice this three times a day, 15 seconds for three times a day. So less than a minute a day, we asked people to have a moment of awe and the results were, you know, off the charts, incredible. I mean, uh, equal to the efficacy of a taking a antidepressant medication without the side effects. And we saw it improving other areas of people's mental health with decreases in anxiety, decreases of loneliness, decreases of burnout, um, improvements in overall well-being, decreases in chronic pain. So this whole big picture is really important. And we're learning more and more about in medicine is that for people really to heal, they have to feel safe. And I mean, for a lot of people, when they go to the doctor or the hospital, they don't feel very safe. I mean, it, hospitals are going to be a scary place to be. And um and and there's issues, bigger issues in our society, why people don't feel safe. You know, there's gun violence and and there's there's racism and xenophobia and different ways in which particularly marginalized communities don't feel safe. And why they struggle with more chronic diseases is because they are never feeling safe and the impact that has on their physiology. And so we're um, really learning that more and more in medicine, like how important it is that we feel safe is as not as individuals, but also as a greater community. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. And if you think about how, you know, it's a range, but how fearful everyone was feeling uh, when the pandemic hit and the shutdowns happened and all of the uncertainty and the fear and the anxiety and not feeling safe. And there's still lingering effects from that. I work with people that still don't feel safe. And it's because, yeah. is there another wave going to happen? Or am I going to get sick? Mm. And, and then, you know, it, when you're feeling like that, I, I know too, then you're you're sort of making yourself more vulnerable to, to end up getting sick, which is the very thing you're trying to avoid. So I think it speaks uh, well to the fact that your studies were done with hospital workers during the pandemic, which had to be the, the most unsafe feeling. I can't even imagine. Um, at yeah. That, it's still effective. So I, I think that says a lot. Yeah, our next study, we're actually recruiting people right now. Um, our recruitment is going to end at in the middle of April, 
but with UC Davis and UC San Francisco, we're doing a study for people that are suffering from long COVID symptoms, which, um, as you can imagine, is and people hear about it, is very debilitating. With the, and it's related to inflammation that's going on in the brain and throughout the body um, and the impacts from the virus. So we're really hopeful that this technique is really going to help people that are suffering from long COVID because there's not a lot that medicine really has to offer people right now, you know, and yeah, if anyone's interested, if they have family or friends that are suffering from long COVID, you can go to our website, thepowerofawe.com. You can email us there and we'll send you the link to the study. You can also search it on the internet at UC Davis study pages. It's called the positive emotion study for uh, long COVID. And there's a, like a master website with all the different studies ongoing at UC Davis. Wow. Yeah. I hope it is effective because I know a lot of people are suffering. I want to clarify something, which is um, whether or not you're saying that the awe method should replace more traditional forms of mindfulness and meditation or enhance it, or what's your message there? No, that's a really great question. Um I think really it's in partnership with the traditional therapies. I wouldn't say it's definitely not replacing it. Not no way. You know, I think there is a role and a place with more sustained um, mindfulness practices. It's just that if, if you look at the history and the arc of Buddhism, Buddhism has changed so much since the time of the Buddha's life. That's you know that's one of the when we think of mindfulness, really the roots come from from India, from Buddhism, from the Buddha, and there's been and it spread all over the world. It went to Japan, which is where we have Zen Buddhism. It's in China, in Thailand, like all these different cultures took it up and everywhere it touched, it changed in a different flavor and a way for the local population. And so these practices came to the West in the sixties by Westerners who went to India and Thailand and studied with traditional teachers and have brought it back. And now we're seeing like almost like a next generation, whether you want to call it, you know, mindfulness 2.0, where these practices are being adapted for our modern day-to-day culture, um, which is a culture where we're constantly connected and we're always on the go. And I think it's anxiety provoking for people to potentially have to, you know, to go on a 10-day mindfulness retreat to sort of develop a deep sustained practice. I mean, it's not easier for people to find the the luxury of that time or the money to do that. So what I love about this practice is just that it, in many ways, it's a gateway, I guess you could say to mindfulness. And what we saw in our study is many people that tried a traditional practice struggled and failed. They were hard on themselves. They couldn't do it. It was just too much effort. They weren't, they didn't think they were good enough. And what I love about this practice is a few things. One is that you get an instantaneous reward when you have a moment of awe, you feel good and you want to sustain a practice when it feels good to do it. Right. And so what's nice about this is it's short. It takes 15, 20 seconds. We all have time that we can connect a moment of awe to something we already do in our day. So we call that habit stacking. So like if you make coffee or tea in the morning, have a moment of awe when you're making your tea or drinking your tea or coffee. You know, smell, smell it, savor it, have a really deep present moment making it, whatever that ritual is for you first thing in the morning, make that a moment of awe for you to start your day with. And then you can have a moment of awe in the middle of your day and then finish your day with a moment of awe. Um, 
So yeah, I, I, it's definitely one that goes hand in hand. And I think it's going to just help people become, I guess, more open and ready to experience mindfulness. Um, and I just love that with this practice, again, it comes back to that presence versus force that we were talking about. Like traditional practice often for people takes a lot of effort and um, perseverance and energy. And this is something that can be done anytime, anyplace. And the more ease we bring to it, the, the, the practice then just naturally arises. And for people that have practiced this for 21 days and they start to build this awe habit, what will happen is you will get spontaneous moments of awe arising. You don't have to use the awe method anymore. It's really like training wheels you could think of. And then as you change your perception of reality, we call it selective perception. As you start to just look in the world all the time for moments of awe, the awe will arise everywhere. I mean, there's just so many moments to be hold of the wonder of life and to be in awe of. And what's also nice is awe is contagious, right? So here we are having conversations about awe, but when you share your awe with others, you inspire awe on them. And on our website, you can go, we have a, a what we call a moment of awe page under our section where we say, try it. We want people to try, try, try awe, you know, and we actually have a place where you can post your moment of awe, a picture or words. And when you read other people's awe, it's so awe-inspiring to like, to see what stimulates awe on other people. And then it encourages you to have more awe. And then it's like a butterfly effect, they call it, where it just spreads like a, um, in a many good ways um, to help everyone shift their nervous system. All of our emotions are contagious, so why not awe? That is true. Because we are running out of time. I want to ask you one last question, which is, what are your three favorite ways to practice awe? Mm, that's a great question. So I think, um, as I shared earlier, it's like the first thing I get up in the morning is I have a moment of awe. With I love to make coffee. And I actually had this op epiphany recently where I realized that people really cheat themselves out of a moment of awe when they use like a Keurig machine because they don't get to actually open a bag of the beans or the, the grounds and smell it deeply. Like, you know how good it is of an experience to smell coffee grounds? Well, when they're in a pod, you can't do that, right? And then it doesn't even taste that good either. So um, yeah, what is my coffee pra practice of making coffee? And it could be any aspect of that process. It's like watching the water boil in a kettle and seeing the flame early in the morning, like, and how natural gas works, like where it comes from. I mean, this is all, all this stuff can be so awe-inspiring. I also have a lot of awe with my dog. <laughs> and um, I, I, we have a park down our street, but I, I do this walk at least twice a day. But every time I do it, I'm just open to the field of awe. And then I see new things every time. It's the same walk, but what I see and experience, it's so rich and new. And that's one of the beautiful things about mindfulness, right? Is that it gives us, every time we do something, even if we've done it a million times, it's a new experience. And this practice really cultivates that mindfulness experience. Um, and then the final thing, a way in which I love practicing awe is that um, with my family, when we have, we have dinner together, um, we share our, our moments of awe of the day. And it's really a nice way to kind of focus that. It's like, well, what was your awe today? And it's so inspiring to to to, to share that with each other. And I I bring this to my workplace too. Um, I'm a clinician still, and I love bringing on to the patient care room. I share all with my patients. They share their awe with me. I can see their nervous system shift immediately, and it's a great way of self care because 
I'm a pain management specialist, which is a really hard specialty. And the way I care for myself between each visit is I pause and I reset my whole physiology with a moment of awe. And I go out of the room. We have a beautiful art in our clinic. I look at this art pieces and I'm just like, wow, like the, just the beauty and the creativity of this art and the colors. And then I just reset myself completely. And then I'm like going to the next room and I'm fresh and available instead of carrying the residue throughout my day, which most people, when they're dealing with burnout, they, they carry that energy all day long. And it's, um, it really is helpful. I've seen it change my, my colleagues and other people's lives, this practice. So yeah, those are the three main ways. I'm really thankful for being able to share this and I would love to connect with your listeners. If any people have questions, just feel free to reach out to us at thepowerofaw.com and um, take advantage of all, all the resources we're putting out there to, to people to help build their awe practice. Wonderful. That's great. And thank you for sharing that. I was laughing because when I get in these time crunches, I start looking for things to change so that I pay attention. You know what I mean? Instead of it being automatic. And the first thing I changed was from the Keurig to a French press. So that I have to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's a whole experience that gives me that couple of minutes of mindfulness. So I'm glad to know I can use that for awe too. <laughs> the same here. I love my French press. So much awe to be had in making a French press coffee. The book is The Power of Awe. I highly recommend it. And I want to thank you so much for writing it again and for joining us today to introduce us to this powerful practice that can really change lives. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be here. And I I hope we get to meet each other in person someday and maybe go for a walk and share some awe in the beautiful neighborhoods of Los Angeles. That would be lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. One more time, please support the podcast by taking the short listener survey at surveymonkey.com slash r slash airwave or click on the link in the episode notes. We really want to hear from you and thank you in advance. Don't forget, you can enter to win a $500 Amazon gift card at the end of the survey. Until next time, I encourage you to meditate daily and be mindful in all of your everyday activities. Simply bring your full awareness to the present moment to build your mindfulness skills paying attention to every detail of what you're doing, from washing dishes to work tasks to taking a walk. Your mind will wander, and that's normal. Each time you notice it has wandered, that's mindfulness. Consider how wonderful the world could be if everyone was mindful. You can help make that happen. It all starts with a mindful moment. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like the Daily Meditation Podcast, Everything Everywhere, and Movie Therapy. We deeply appreciate your support at patreon.com, A Mindful Moment. Our podcast is now available to view on our YouTube channel, so be sure to follow us there and on Instagram, at A Mindful Moment Podcast. Visit our website, amindfulmoment.com, to access podcasts, scripts, and book recommendations. A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee and or Melissa Sims. The Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, 
Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, MeteorWide Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions.